In this series, we're going we're gonna to start off by reading the Lord's Prayer every, every time that we get into our teaching time. And just a way, like I said uh, in the last couple of weeks, maybe you haven't been tracking with us, feel free to go back and listen to our podcast. We're walking through the Lord's Prayer, and we want to get into this prayer, and we want this prayer to get into us, all right? And so this is a way that we'll do that. So let's, let's pray the prayer together. It's on a, just a, a slide up ahead. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who... There, you guys, you guys did that better than me. I'm sorry about that. Uh, We can have mess-ups in prayers. Is that all right? Let's, Let's read the last line together. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. God, as we long to get into this prayer and this prayer that you've teaching us, te- taught us to get into us, God, uh, we posture ourselves to learn and grow and look forward, God, to your kingdom movement in our lives and in our world and a future kingdom, God, that just expresses your full reign and vision. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we have walked through the first couple of lines of this prayer, and today we're focusing on uh, the first part of this prayer that actually we, we start talking about us. We've been talking about God for the, first, uh, the last couple of weeks, and now we, in, as Jesus teaches us to pray, uh, he invites us to kind of bring ourselves before him and some, some of our needs. So, so this first line, that, or this line we're going to focus on today is Matthew 6, verse 11, where the prayer says this, "'Give us today our daily bread.'" Can we just say that together? Give us today our daily bread. Now, I'm going to ask you to put a noun in front of that because this is a prayer. And as Jesus starts the prayer, he invites us to, to know that we're saying our Father, right? And so we're praying to God, our Father. So we're going to, I'm going to invite you to say Father before we say this, right? Okay, here we go. So Father, give us today our daily bread. That's really, really important to understand. When my dad... Um, first came to Canada. He was 18 years old. It was, I think, 1958 or something. And so he was moving to Canada to, to come meet my mom. My mom had come four years earlier. They were immigrating from, um, from Italy. And uh, my dad came, and, and one of his first meals in Canada, uh, he ended up sitting down with a Canadian family. So Italian hospitality, Canadian hospitality, how they kind of bring out the food, the etiquette, a little bit different, all right? So he was, he was so used to uh, the kind of, um, you know, eat as much as you want in Italy type of thing, uh, even when there was scarcity. It was just like, no, we just got food. So he's sitting down at one of his first tables in a Canadian context, and uh, they brought him something, and the dishes were significantly smaller than they were in his hometown. Uh, so then the host said, uh, hey, would you like some more? And being a polite person just from Italy, he's like, no, no, thank you. And uh, the host just respected his request and kept going. So he's like, oh, this is weird. I actually wanted more in his head. And see, in, in his hometown, you say no the first time, and then they ask you again, and then you say no the second time, and they ask you again, and you say no a third time, and then they just throw food in front of you anyways, right? So he's like, well, they, I'm going to eat no matter what. But he was now in a different context, and he says, no, no, thank you, and he got no more food. And so he learned quickly, uh, I better start asking for what I want and not just assume that they're just going to bless me with this, right? And, and I think that's so important that he, he had to come and understand he, could, he actually has to ask for what he needs. 
And that's the first idea in this line in the Lord's Prayer, that Jesus invites us in such a simple way to ask. That this simple invitation from Jesus, this prayer starts reminding us that we are talking to our Father in heaven. And a couple of weeks ago, how we said heaven is as close as earth. Heaven is just God's realm. Heaven is, is as close as a breath away, as close as anything. And so when we pray our Father in heaven, we are praying to our Father who is as close as a breath. And Jesus invites us to ask, to tell him what we need. Isn't that amazing? Just a simple invitation to ask God and tell him what we need. And Jesus introduces the most basic metaphor, which is bread. Give us today our daily bread. One of the most basic essentials that humanity has expressed for centuries. It goes back to ancient times, this need for daily bread. I'm looking at John Roberts. He makes good bread at home. And so I don't know if he makes it daily or weekly or whatever. But the idea was, in all times of history, bread is just kind of a basic essential. In Jewish context, there was always a need for daily bread. In the ancient Mediterranean uh, time, it was so common to acknowledge someone's need for bread. It was a basic, basic essential for human living. And when Jesus uses the word bread, yes, it means food, but it also represents what we need to exist. What do you need to exist? What do I need to exist? What do I need to live to be fruitful? In fact, the, the original language in the Greek tense, you could almost add a, a, a word at the end of this uh, request. Give us today our daily bread for tomorrow. Give us today our daily bread for tomorrow. That's how the original language might lean towards that. This idea that God uh, can be a provider for us today and moving into tomorrow. And that's so important for us to get, that we can be specific with what we need. In other words, let God know what you need. Let God, don't hold back like my dad did in 1958. Let God know what you need because he cares about what you need. He cares about your existence. He cares about your life for today and for tomorrow. So when we pray, that's why we started off adding the word Father in front of us. We're not just saying give us today our daily bread. We're saying Father, our Heavenly Father, this relationship we have with you, give us today our daily bread. Because this is important to ask is to trust. Just think about that for a second. To ask is to trust. I have certain friends in my life that they ask me pretty freely, hey, can I borrow this? Can I borrow money and pay you back in a week? Can I? And they, when they ask me, they're trusting that if it's in my power to help them, if it's in my power to encourage them, if it's in my power to support them, then I will do that. When they ask me, they trust me. When my kids come to me and ask me for something, to ask me is to trust that if it's in my power, because of our relationship, I'm going to provide. I'm going to bless them. And consider this. In the ancient world, daily bread, that word daily was real. Uh, there was no freezers to freeze the bread. There was no sense like we can use this in a week from now or a month from now. Daily bread was essential. In fact, if you got sick in the ancient world, you were in trouble. There was no sick days. There was no 4 to 6% vacation pay added on, so I can take time off. And then, No, the, there was something significant. There was no kind of idea of like how we budget today. Yes, there was, there was a frugalness or stewardship, but the idea of budgets and pensions ahead of time or vacation pay, that didn't exist. So the, even the disciples listening to this, 
their frame of mind was, well, yeah, if I get sick, I can't work. I can't provide for myself or others around me. So this was often a very serious thing that they're wondering, well, sometimes in the back of their mind, like, where's, where's my next meal going to be from? And so the struggle was real, but so was the ask. Lord, give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need to exist, to survive. And I love the ask, but why so confident? Why such a confident ask? Why would Jesus insert this in this prayer? Will we just talk about his name being hallowed and his kingdom come and his will be done? Then there's this request to give us our daily bread with such confidence. And think about it this way. If Jesus tells us in his kingdom, you can ask because there's always more than enough. So we ask because behind the ask, behind the person we're asking is this, it's abundance. It's this beautiful sense of abundance. Now you got to think about this. When the disciples heard this for the first time, or, or not for the first time, but they're hearing this phrase, daily bread, for them this goes back to their ancestors. This goes back to a story in Israel's history that was so significant in how Israel as a nation was shaped and how Israel as a nation understood God. And it goes back to this moment where Israel is rescued from Egypt. They're living in slavery and God rescues them out of Egypt and he's leading them to something called the promise promised land, that they were, it was described as a land with milk and honey. They were going to go to a place where there was an abundance, where there was opportunity to flourish and build and grow and plant and eat. And so they're coming out of slavery where God is in a sense saying, you don't have to live like this anymore. That's the beautiful idea of Sabbath, where we can trust God to stop working and trust that he's, he's continues to work. And God's sending them eventually to a promised land. But in between the rescue and the promised land, Egypt and the promised land, they're like in the desert for 40 years and they're wandering. And so the story behind the idea even of daily bread is that God provided for them while they were in the wilderness every single day. God said, just trust me, manna, bread will come from heaven. I will provide bread for you and quails, the sense of bread and meat. And he specifically said, don't store up for tomorrow. I'm going to give you for tomorrow. And I'll give you for the next day. Only store up for the Sabbath so you can take a rest from collecting. But don't worry about tomorrow. I'm going to provide for you today. How would they survive? God would provide. I love what Greg Keener says. He says, God provided for a whole people for 40 years of wandering, all of them unemployed. I mean, really, right? I mean, they weren't working. In a sense, they were working to like, as, they're, as they're wandering, but none of them had jobs. God provided for a whole people for 40 years of wandering, all of them unemployed. And Keener asks the question, can we not trust God? Can we not trust God if this is the kind of God we serve? And this was their journey categorized by daily need, heading to a destination full of opportunity, leaving slavery, but in the middle, imagine their anxiety. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen next week? What's around the corner? We're never getting to this place. Some of the people that were with us in the beginning, some have died because now this is years. What's happening next? And so there was, just like you and me, just like often in our culture, there's anxiety. What's next? What's coming? 
How are we going to provide? What's my future like? Will I have enough for retirement? Well, can I do this? Can I do that? Even in a greater sense, imagine the anxiety they were facing. And yet God every single day says, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. I'm going to provide for you today. What do you think God's message in all of that was? God's message was, there's more than enough. There's more than enough for you. There's more than enough for all of you. And as Jesus says this line in this prayer, give us today our daily bread, that's part of the message in all of this, that when we pray, when we seek the Lord, when we come to grow in a relationship with God, there's always more than enough for our physical needs, for our spiritual needs. And that story would have been very familiar to the disciples as they're listening to that line, daily bread. Other things that might have been familiar to the disciples were some of the prophetic words that came through the prophets of one day God's kingdom breaking in, like we read this morning from Isaiah 2, of one day peace coming, of one day not being war anymore, but also one day where the struggle will not be the same, where you don't have to live in anxiety. And I love this phrase from Isaiah 25, 6, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich foods for all peoples a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, or fried mushrooms if you're a vegetarian, the finest of wines. Isn't that an amazing description of abundance, of the, the kind of kingdom that God longs for and is creating? You know, and it makes me think that when I look at the life of Jesus, this is partly why Jesus had what, what some people call a party theology. I know that sounds weird to you. Jesus had a party theology. Jesus loved the party. Jesus loved parties. I mean, as soon as he called his first disciples, he went over to Matthew's house because Matthew invited all his friends over and they had a party. They had a dinner party. They hung out together. Jesus had a party theology. His first miracle, his first miracle was turning water into wine at a feast. When the wine was all gone, he's like, hey, what's happening? These jugs of water, he turns them into wine and not just any kind of wine, the best wine. Jesus had a party theology, an idea that th there is abundance in God's kingdom. When they were ministering to people and healing and teaching, and then one, one afternoon, late afternoon, there's like 5,000 people there. Well, more than that with women and children. And the disciples are like, what are we going to do with these people? They have to eat. They're hungry. Like, maybe we should ju just go send them to the nearby towns to get food. Jesus like, no, 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 no. What do you have? What do you have? And just some fish and loaves of bread. And Jesus takes them and he gives thanks a very Eucharistic communion type of language. He gives thanks, he breaks it, and then he passes it out, and it feeds all 5,000 people and their women and children, probably thousands and thousands of people. In that moment, Jesus says, there's more than enough. There's more than enough. There's more than enough. The parable of the lost son, we highlighted a little bit last week, where this, this son goes and squanders all his dad's wealth, but then when he realizes, he comes back. And there's a little bit of this theology in there because when he comes back, the father throws him a party. I don't know about you, but if my son took half of my money and then comes back, I'd be like, you can come live in my house, but I'm not spending money on you now. You know, ask my son. He'd probably think, yeah, my dad would probably say that. But because it's like, well, you've already taken all this money. Like, you can live here and I'll cover the expenses, but you want me to like throw a lavish party for you? No, but nobody even asked the father. He just does it. The older brother's upset. Why are you doing this? Like, all I have is yours. There's more than enough. There's more than enough. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 to 34. 
I want you, you can read this at home. It's such a beautiful passage of what it means to trust in God and not worry, not be anxious. But basically, you'll find these themes in these 10 verses. Several times, Jesus says, do not worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Do not worry about tomorrow. A couple of times in these, in these 10 verses, he says, your heavenly Father knows. He reminds them, you have a heavenly Father who's a provider, who's generous. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will come. There's more than enough. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. And I love the metaphor he gives in this about, you know, flowers having, looking awesome and birds being fed. And, and, and there's a little bit of tension there because, I mean, we're not birds. We eat a little bit more than birds, right? And we got to actually put clothes on our back. Like, flowers just look awesome all on their own. But there's this metaphor of nature and creation and how, I mean, have you, ever gone, have you ever gone hiking or in the wilderness or in the forest? Have you ever had a concern about the diet of the animals? Have you ever wondered like, man, how are these people eating? How are these, have you ever, has it ever concerned you? Probably not. Ivan, you've been in a lot of, has, have you ever worried about the chipmunk? Have you ever worried about the deer? Have you ever worried about the birds? Wondering like, oh, these poor things, they have no food. You never worry about it. I don't, somehow they're always fed. That's kind of the metaphor that, that Jesus brings here when he's trying to tell us, do not worry. He's trying, to, he's trying to, 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 to address and kill our anxiety because we have a Father in heaven who knows us and knows our needs. There's more than enough. There's more than enough. Jesus tells us to ask because his kingdom is a kingdom of abundance. Dallas Willard says this, he says, this request embodies a confidence in our Father that relieves us from all anxiety. We just passed Black Friday, and it's not so bad here in Canada as it is in the States. No one got trampled at Walmart in Kirkland. But like, there's some serious anxiety, right, around these things. Serious anxiety about what are we going to buy so-and-so for Christmas and how much are we going to spend or oh my gosh maybe this is not enough and so much anxiety in our culture I love what Willard says this request embodies a confidence in our father that relieves us from all anxiety who wants to who wants to be who wants to live relieved from all yes yes it's good I'm with you man but just stop for a second asking an abundance sounds like a pretty sweet deal I mean if it, if it was just like anything you want, ask and abundance, like whatever I want, there's, I'm just going to get it because it's all there. That's a pretty sweet deal. But let me just pause for a second and, and also shift a little bit to what this prayer also includes. Because what prevents us from turning this prayer, right? What prevents us from asking and behind the ask, we know there's all abundance, what turns us, what prevents us from turning this prayer into a shopping list? What prevents us from turning this prayer into a Christmas list? What prevents us from turning this prayer into a wish list? God, this is what I want. This is the car I want. This is the house I want. These are the clothes I want. This is the kind of stuff I want. What prevents us from turning it into that? And I think that's so important to consider. And what does is this, when we take the whole prayer and that whole prayer starts to shape our ambition. Because even though God, and Jesus says, ask, and he helps us understand in the context of Scripture that there's an abundance to God in his kingdom. Something is so important about our own ambition in all of this. 
Because we can ask and we can know that there's abundance and that can easily feed selfish ambition. It can easily feed selfish wants. It can easily feed something in us that doesn't really fuel the kind of prayer that we're looking for. So why doesn't this, why doesn't this simple line, give us today our daily bread, why doesn't it feed greed? Why does it not feed selfishness? Why does it not feed hoarding? And here's a couple of things I think help us to kind of clarify our ambition. The first thing is, Jesus carefully places this line, give us today our daily bread, after three lines, right? The first line is, your name be hallowed, right? Your name be made holy. The second line is, your kingdom come. The third line is, your will be done. And I think Jesus masterfully gets to give us today our daily bread after we have come to a posture of relationship with God, of worship and reverence to God, of being rooted in his rule, his kingdom, his will. And then we get to say this line, give us today our daily bread. So Jesus carefully places this line after the priority of the prayer. And you know what that does? That sorts out my desires. That sorts out your desires. That sorts out our ambition. That sorts out the kind of things that we sometimes just selfishly uh, lean towards. And, 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 and here's the beautiful thing. We can bring all our desires to God. All our desires to God. Regardless of, of where they land on the selfish or not selfish scale. But when we come to our Heavenly Father, who we petition for His name to be hallowed, His kingdom to come, His will to be done, all of a sudden our desires get sorted out. Our desires get shaped. Our desires start to change or start to get, get molded. What prevents us from us focusing on the selfish ones is that when we petition for God's name to be hallowed and his kingdom and will to become and to be done, it starts to shape our hearts. It starts to shape our interior world. It starts to shape where all this desire comes from. And then the Holy Spirit starts to challenge our ambitions and purify our ambitions and purify our, our needs. And the Holy Spirit actually helps us distinguish between our needs and our wants the next line is, well, a couple of lines down is, lead us not into temptation. But if we just rest here for today, the Holy Spirit, when we pray this, filtered through the first three lines of your name, your kingdom, your will, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit has something to do in us. He can root out selfishness. He can root out other kingdoms. So Jesus carefully places this request right after the first three. And here's another thing Jesus does. He forces me to think beyond me. He forces you to think beyond you. Because I bet you must, most of us did this, and, and I'm, I'm, I would do this too. When I say give us today our daily bread, I, you know what I'm really thinking? Give me today my daily bread. Did some of you guys replace the, the us with me? Right? I mean, that's kind of what goes in our brain. Give me today my daily bread. But Jesus didn't say give me. He said give us. He didn't say this is just for your needs. He says there's other people in your life and as part of God's kingdom. And so when Jesus says, give us our daily bread, this also sorts out our desires. This also challenges our ambitions. This also begins to purify our, our inner being because it's a collective request. It's a plural petition. It's part of being a community. So I cannot pray this prayer if I really pay attention to these words. 
and I really pay attention to the us and our, I cannot pray this prayer without thinking or praying for my brother and sister. I cannot, if me and Simon are in this community together, I cannot pray, give us today our daily bread without also praying for Simon's needs or Louisa's needs, right? Or Carell's needs or Brian's needs. I can't pray this prayer without praying for my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And this is a prayer given to Jesus' disciples. And it stops me from just praying for me, for my hunger, for my house, for the, pe- for the few people that sit around my table at dinner time, for, for the things in my home. It, it prevents me from just praying for that. Because, see, when I call God Father, the reminder here, first of all, Jesus invites us, hey, you can call God Father. He's my Father. He's your Father. We're part of the same family. When I call God Father and I start praying this prayer, I also call you brother and sister. Now we're part of the same family. And that changes the way I pray this line. It changes my ambition. So I no longer pray for my needs, but I pray for our needs. And I pray for your hunger and for your employment and for your health and for your provision and for your relationships. Because now I'm praying for all of us. I'm not just praying for me. I'm reminded that we're all in God's family together. And sometimes when we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, we think that the whole world is going to change because we pray that. But part of that prayer is that the church that reflects God's kingdom actually begins to show the world what it means to be his kingdom. And I'm not saying only my brother, my sister, and not wanting to care about the world. But Jesus is saying, you become the kind of community that the world looks into and says, oh, this is what God wants to do. This is what God wants to do. We can't feed the street and give our kids TV dinner. We can't cook a turkey for the neighborhood, but then like just give fishies to my kids. Not the fishies are bad, but you know, the, the yellow fishies. Parents all know what that is. So here's something to ask yourself when you're praying this prayer. Do your prayers fuel selfish ambition or community well-being? Do your prayers fuel your own selfish ambition or community well-being? Because it's so easy when we say ask with a God of abundance to kind of, you know, go towards uh, an extreme prosperity gospel. Or I'm going to get this and God's going to do all this for me. So ask yourself, when you're praying, do your prayers fuel a selfish ambition or the well-being of the community? Because when Jesus says, give us, Jesus teaches us to be a community. When Jesus says, give us, he, he also teaches us to live within our means. Because when I pray, give us today our daily bread, man, if my needs have been met, but I look at my brother or sister whose needs haven't been met, all of a sudden I'm saying, oh, I've also been praying this for them. Maybe I'm the answer to their prayers too. Maybe some way that God has provided for me is one of the ways that he's going to provide for them. Because now I'm praying for us, for our needs, for our daily bread. When I say give us, we start to realize that the way we live might actually negatively affect other people because now I'm just saying my needs are met and I'm not worrying about anybody else's needs. But if I have enough and my neighbor doesn't, if I have enough and you don't, I can't pray this prayer without becoming aware that I might be the answer to somebody's prayer. They might be the answer to my prayer. Isn't that true? 
And here's the beauty of this prayer, and this is where it gets challenging, because I know the first two words just kind of like really made us feel good, and they, and they should. Let's kind of like know that. We can go to God and ask him. He's a God of abundance. But when he starts to sort out our ambitions, we also start to realize that this prayer shapes the way we live. Maybe God's calling us to live more simply. Maybe God's calling us to be better stewards. Maybe God's calling us to be so deeply satisfied and content. The Apostle Paul later talks about that in one of his letters. Maybe God's calling us to become the kind of people that are content with what we have, to live simply, to live satisfied, and that always leads to generosity. Always leads to generosity. You know what's so awesome? When you give, you trust. Isn't that true? When you give, you trust. When you give something away, you ha- your trust grows. But when you keep something, your trust drops. There is something about giving that grows our trust, our ability to trust. We do not believe that God is a God of abundance if we keep everything. Right? If it, when Israel tried to keep bread for the next day, they stopped believing that God was a God of abundance. But when they said, okay, you've given me for today, I trust you for tomorrow, their trust went up. When, when, when Israel and then Christ's followers over the centuries have given a proportion of their income, what are they, when, every time we give to fuel God's mission or to bless the world in some way, our trust goes up and our anxiety goes down. When you hold, you don't believe in abundance. When you give away, you trust in abundance. When you hold, you, have, you believe in scarcity. When you give, you live with abundance because you trust. And that's the beauty of this. I'm going to ask the team to come up as we wrap up in prayer, but let me just bring this all together. Jesus invites us to ask, right? He invites us to ask because God's kingdom frees us, frees us, and helps us understand that there's a Father who cares for us, and He knows what, what we need. So when we ask, we automatically are asking, knowing that there's a God who cares and knows what we need. We trust His abundance because God's kingdom frees us from anxiety. And then we posture ourselves in the middle of that. We sort out our ambition because we pray, your, God, your name be hallowed, your kingdom come, your will be done. As I, as I begin to ask you for our needs, for my needs and our needs together, God, sort out my ambitions. Because God's provision never makes us more selfish. It always makes us more generous. It never makes us more anxious. It always makes us more peaceful. That's so vital. So here's how we're going to end like we've ended the last couple of weeks. I want to just walk us through praying this line. Because I'm inviting us every day to be reciting the Lord's Prayer during this series leading up to Christmas that this becomes the the main voice, the main story that's shaping us right now. And then during the week, so we've just focused on give us today our daily bread. This is the the line that I want us to just live in deeply this week. And even if you have to pause at every word, give us. You can come and ask God. You can be so open and articulate and thorough and exhaustive with what you need. God wants to hear it. He already knows it, but he wants to hear it. When you say give us, you just pause and realize this is not just for me, this is for others. There's other people around us that need this. There's other people in our church community that are in need as well. There's there's the world around us. There's my neighborhood. There's so many things. So give us, God. When we pray, we're not just praying for our needs to be met. We're praying for all of our needs to be met. This idea of daily bread, when we just sit on those phrases for a little bit, we start to realize there's 
a beauty and simplicity in being satisfied in living sacrificially within our means for the sake of contentment and also for the sake of others. So let's just, um, I'm going to pray the first part of this prayer and just end at give us today. Just as a practice for what we can do every day this week. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You can pray with me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And yes, Jesus. So God, we are so grateful that Jesus invites us to ask. We are blown away by the abundance in your kingdom. The abundance that Jesus lived out of. The incredible way he viewed people. God, we thank you that there is more than enough. Teach us to grow in contentment. To be satisfied in you first. God, this is so much more than about bread. It's more than about things. It's more than about needs. We are fully satisfied in you. You are the bread of life. And God, sort out our ambitions. We just humbly come before you and ask you to begin this process even right now, today, as we lean into this week. You would sort out our ambitions, sort out our desires. We long to be the kind of people that when we ask you and come to you, God, we're also doing it in context of the community we're a part of, the world that you've given us. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray.